Hey, I sent you um, a, a emoji thing on Skype of uh, one of the green pigs from the Angry Birds movie shaking his butt at you. So what do you want to talk about today, Luke? I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. <laughs> no, actually, I do have a couple of 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 ideas. So, all right, you ready? We're about to get real personal. Uh, is it Chronicles of Narnia? Is that what we're going to talk about? Actually, we could. Be, it's such a nice deterrent from everything else that's happening. Right? Right? Where's Aslan? <laughs> I want to blow the horn. Where's Aslan? <laughs> Go for it, man. What do you <laughs> want to talk about? Uh, okay, so. Okay, so I gotta apologize. I should probably bring things up earlier before I let them like vent up or or like say, "Here's what I'm coming. F- here's where I'm coming from." So you don't walk away going, "Why is Luke being a dick?" What? Well, no one ever thinks that. <laughs> See, here's here's the thing about me that probably none of our listeners really get that that all of our friends, especially my ex my ex girlfriends, know way too well. I am super sensitive. <laughs> no, no, and very emotionally draining to be in a person's life. Everyone thinks that that I'm nice, but behind that is a lot of angst and anxiety and stress. And so, I've been really, I've been for like the past like month, maybe even like a little bit longer. I've just been very frustrated with okay, so one of the things that I like about the Catholicism is is we believe that the world can be understood. We believe the truth can be known and that it that and that it actually exists because of the incarnation. On top of a philosophy and yeah, yeah, but like ultimately because Christ as was Christ who is truth him himself, the word made flesh, he's a person, he he can be known. Therefore, truth can be known. There's, you know, we can, um, we can have knowledge. And I think, I really think it's because of, of Facebook. I'm just so tired of people who like, of just like, here's how the world is. Here's this neat little package. This is exactly how it is. And so, like any, and I'm just at a point now where anytime anyone like thinks that like they, you know, have an answer, I'm just like my whole being just wants to go. You're wrong, <laughs> just like scream and yell, and and I think it's like bled over in into the podcast a bit, just just because I I so want to be able to have a dis a discussion about a, about a lot of things, and we only have an hour. And we only have X amount of time to be able to do these these other things. But at at times, if it were up to me, I would want to like go through each hair and just analyze everything up to death. And I'm and I'm I'm, I'm kind of coming out of it this past like two days. But I don't know. So you're saying that your 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 emotionalness connecting to the fact that you get frustrated when people think that they have all the answers and have tied a very complicated problem up with a nice, nice, neat bow and then thrown that at you, that gives you that emotional, like, shut the hell up reaction. 
and that kind of shuts out discussion over instruction kind of thing is that where you're connecting I, it to all that well, yeah and i i and i think what i will ultimately do is like so okay so we recorded a, a, an episode like 3 or 4 weeks ago right before, like a week before i had my stroke pretty much and i was one i was just exhausted but then two i felt like i like um had nothing to add and part of me got upset just in my mind, because I was like, this is just us telling people, like, how to live their lives. And this is just, like, advice. And this is not what I want to do. This is not what we are I'm supposed to be doing. And I think, one, I was tired. And two, I just felt like I just didn't have anything to give. And, like, tied up with all this other stuff that I, I, I will tend to project things, especially, like, onto people that I care about. And so I'll go, oh, he's just trying, like, this is just, this is just, what, this is, what he does uh, sometimes, he wants to just kind of like share his opinion. I'm like, I, have, I don't have anything to add. This is at the point of the show. You know, so you are right in a sense that it does ultimately like what I will do is defeat the purpose. But then I think it's already being done and I accept that. So what I'm trying to say is I'm sorry if I've been a dick. See, this is one of those things where I, I think you're being really sensitive because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, so, I, Luke, I forgive you. For all your dick. Well, except for the real one. You are perfectly allowed to have a real one. But for the other things, I forgive you. Well, and, like, that's the weird thing is I don't think like hardly anyone knows. Because I'm, like, too afraid to hear our last our last episode because part of me is just like, I'm going to sound I'm just like, I'm a, I don't know. Oh, it was great. It was. Look, I, mean, I, 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 I spliced in. Oh. Well, here's the problem, though, with the last episode. Uh, number one, I said your last name when I did my rap, when I did my rap from back in the day. Yeah. And then, uh, but I spliced in, oh, and then you have that joke from, on, oh, not Entourage, um, uh, Rested Development about uh, <laughs> about the, the Blue Man group. <laughs> and I totally left all that in there. I didn't edit anything out. And I was like, oh, Oh dear. Um, so that's in there. But then I, you didn't listen to it at all. No, because I've been so like I've just been so uh, mad at myself and so because like in my head I built up like okay so we've we have gotten big not okay we're not big we're like dude we're we, bigger than Jesus yeah so we are getting there CatholicBomb.co Team Luke when you uh, check out. And part of one of the things that I'm scared about is that if we get big, we're going to lose that edge or that or that or that honesty because it becomes risky, you know, and you have more at stake than I do in the sense that part of your job is to go out and to speak to people and to speak with people and to minister to them. So you kind of have to worry about like, hey, um, like, you know, for uh I could talk openly about my struggles with pornography in the past or with alcohol and just with, you know, and I don't have to worry about like, is this going to affect my, you know, a livelihood? You like you do, obviously. And so part of me stresses out about that because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hurt Gomer. But like, what if this hurts the integrity of the show? And it just like. And it kind of like all gets in my head. And if I don't talk about these 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 issues it will like build up and it, it I'll, I will like think there's a problem when there really isn't one. Mm. 
Because, you know, it's funny. Uh, I think about that a lot. Like, what is the balance that I can that I can give in this show in being honest and being real? Because that's, you know, what the whole kind of underlying premise of the show is, is, is honesty. And then at the same time, stepping back and looking at our looking at like the repercussions that that could have because uh, like for instance on facebook when i um when the the supreme court did um pass the whole gay marriage thing uh, the judgment i uh wrote a facebook status update which essentially said the supreme court chose love over the rule of law and i wrote like this is this is going to be very wonderful or this was a, you know, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, but I basically was like, this is probably a really good decision in a million different ways, or, you know, and, and, and because of this and that, unless we just used emotion to wreck a, an ancient institution that's kind of important. So it was like super sarcastic, but one guy that goes to our church, my church, read it and misunderstood what I was saying, because the whole point of it was me saying, oh, the Supreme Court chose to ignore jurisprudence and instead you vote you know whatever and so uh and so this one guy misunderstood what i wrote and he com- he didn't tell me he didn't message me he didn't contact me he immediately went to my pastor and was like this is on and, and father father was like whoa was this on our saint anthony page and he's like no no this is on michael's private page and so Father Tom, he came up to me and he was like, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I was furious, furiosa. I was so angry. Uh, but I changed it. I modified it a little bit. I think I put like, I'm being sarcastic or something like that. And even right underneath it, I wrote it. And so I see how these things reverberate out, you know. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I see is that there is a complete lack of honesty in Catholic circles. A complete lack of honesty. And I am actually getting gigs because of this show, <laughs> and because I precisely because of that honesty. I mean, that's we, good. Get, you know, and but the thing, the thing that's interesting. So I had an um, someone sent me an email, um, who is uh, a seminarian or a priest. I can't remember what, but he everything was anonymous, and he said I currently struggle with pornography. I think he's a seminarian. Yeah, he's a seminarian, and he said I, I currently struggle with pornography. I love your shows when you've actually talked about these issues. It has helped me and a group of guys. He's like, I have accountability partners. You know, my spiritual director knows about it. You know, it's like, it's not a secret. And he said, but I feel like there's an element where, and it's uh, apparently he's like conquering it. So maybe he would say, you know, kind of like someone who's an alcoholic, right? I'm an addict, but I'm in recovery kind of thing. I felt like that was the vibe. Like he's not looking at it now, but you know, maybe two months ago he saw it and you know, whatever. So, you know, it's an ongoing battle. Uh, with him, he made it, he said, how much do I share with my congregation? Because I want them to know that I'm human and that I've struggled. But at the same time, I don't want to ruin my image as, you know, a future priest who's a pastor of a church. And I was like, yeah, dude, don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, well, because, I mean, uh, yeah, go. No, I was, I was just going to add that uh, scandal is a very real thing. A very real thing. And, and the, if... That's going to deter his ability to proclaim the gospel and to be a priest. It's not worth it in that context. 
Yeah, and you know, because I'll tell you what, like I work with priests, I work with deacons, uh, and I'm not talking about at my job. Let me again disclaimer: not at my worky work, but at my side job where I travel around and give the world's most amazing parish missions. Playevangelist.com, T. Michael, but. I, I go and I do these things, and I work like, especially back when I did, um, I did Life Teens Cove Crest summer camps and stuff, which uh, you know they're super fun. But I would get to meet like two or three priests that were like on staff for that week, and I've have friendships that I'm still, you know, still going strong ever since then. And I can remember there was a uh, visiting deacon. So he wasn't there the whole time, and he was associated with one of the groups that was there. He wasn't like a staff person. He was uh, – I can't remember the whole story, but the person – he wasn't a chaperone, but he was a deacon at the church. I think maybe he, like, was vacationing near there and came along or just met up with his group. But it was the men's session, and he, like, overshared what I would call overshare. And that's where I immediately was like, oh, gosh, I want to stop everything. Because, <laughs> you know, he talked about, like, and he talked about it all, and it was all in the past, and it was all well understood that this, the sins that he was talking about was in the past. But I think, like, once you hear that, and, like, you can't unhear that, and then you're looking at a guy, like, it was supposed to be like, yeah, guy's bonding. Especially in the, like, 90s, with, like, a lot of the mm-hmm. conferences and retreats. I felt like there was this emphasis, like, okay, get in a circle with five guys, or with ten guys. And everyone just talk about your problems with your sexuality. And you're like, and I did it because, like, I'm a rule follower, and so that's what we do. <laughs> but now I'm like, that probably wasn't prudent. Eh, probably, it probably actually didn't get me anything, you know. Well, I mean, we had the same experience on a retreat in on a retreat on a mission trip in college where you could argue what started out as being like, oh, wow, I, oh, I am yeah. alone turned into everyone, you know, like – Everyone started to talk about when they were abused or yeah. – and it was good at, at first because we, we, had, we had a couple – so just to kind of paint this like picture, we probably had what? It was like 50 of us went down to a beach spring break to go and do street evangelization, which there are pros and cons of that. And it was a really amazing experience, especially within the group. And what we started to do was on the bus ride down there, we would give two-minute – testimonies and all of a sudden it started to go like people just got really honest to the point where like it was it was horrible to hear how many people were either like abused or just had just gone through some crazy stuff and then it just got like worse and worse and worse and do you think it went uh, too far i felt like it opened up a release valve on that bus because i don't I, yeah. I don't – this is the one thing. I've been on youth ministry retreats where it's like youth-led, which are always the worst, and they try to one-up each other with their either their sin or their abuse that they've suffered. It's kind of pathological. It's crazy to see. Well, like this mm-hmm. – anywho, I could, I could share stories where people will literally say, like, all these things happen to me, and then they'll be like, well, I mean, not really – there's that one upmanship, but that didn't happen on that bus. What happened on the bus, I felt like, was one person at the end. Because then I went back up and I was like, uh, I've never admitted this before, but I struggle with pornography, right? I've never admitted it to a, like a large group. It's usually, mm-hmm. you know, something That's small. That's true. Yeah. And saying that, that was for me like, oh, that was awesome. But, you know, I mean, but when you hear 40 people one after the other be like, yeah, I have this problem, I have that problem, I have this problem. In in retrospect, it seemed like wow, this is never going to end. But uh, 
one of the amazing things I've discovered is it seems like almost every Christian man I meet has had a massive struggle with pornography. And mm-hmm. that has led to a lot of messed up dating relationships and messed up yeah. situations at parties and, you know, stupid things that you did when you were drunk and you regret and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? But, no, yeah, I, I, th- I think where that went wrong was we started to go into, like, real specific crazy, crazy sin, like – Oh, yeah, I agree. You know, and it just got like, oh, oh, (laughs) you know, and that like when we don't have the ability, we don't have the grace to handle that. We're not like it. It it pretty much like went down in like the things where it's like, oh, you should maybe go to counseling. (laughs) You know, like Yeah, no, that was I felt every, you know, half of them. I felt like being like, oh, damn, that's what you should do. Yes. Yeah. Don't tell us this. Tell a professional. Um, So I can't heal you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it, and it really honestly, like, um, one of the things I want to, I don't know, we could right now talk about like the Orlando stuff and all the other crazy stuff, but I kind of don't want to, cause I feel like I'm just emotionally exhausted from everything. So what if we do like something completely different? Doesn't don't go into that. Yeah. No, that I'm cool. I am, uh, you know, I've obviously, I, I don't have television news at all on my house television you know we just have the mm-hmm. apple tv and so i get my news uh whenever i go online and, and usually I, I get to work a little bit early so i can get the the bs fun stuff out of the way like i'll check facebook and twitter and stuff and that's you know i just get like a thousand things and then i go on gawker which is like the <laughs> worst never- Never gone that way. They keep pulling you back for some <laughs> stupid reason. I know, but I the reason why I go on Gawker, the only, the only reason why I like Gawker is because of uh, io9.gawker.com. Oh, which well, yeah, that's just that is, is a wormhole of unproductivity. Right oh there. man, I they that is me. That website <laughs> is is it's like, hey, we're going to talk about rocket ships and and then we're going to talk about electric cars and then we're going to talk about Marvel comic books and then Here's we're going to game t- of Thrones theory. Okay, <laughs> and I'm like, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, yes. Oh yes, ma'am. I apologize. Yes, ma'am. You know, it's awesome. But that's uh, so a dead spin. I'm just like, oh, there's no reason why I should be reading the story about how a guy got catfished by his by some dude who thought it was a girl. But oh, <laughs> keep reading. So I want to talk. Whoops, sorry. Almost, almost knocked over our 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 uh, spray bottle that I used to iron with. I have to spend Luke, my clothes in, that, Luke, in them. Luke, hmm? Luke, did you just have another stroke? <laughs> no. Okay, never I mind. Wish. Two days off of work during uh, the Euros. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I really wish it would have happened like last week. That would have been perfect. I want to talk. Strokes are so inconvenient. <laughs> it couldn't have happened during the during uh, uh, the March Madness tournament, huh? That would have been great. Do you know that? So during the opening week, the during the opening week of that of vasectomies, a dramatically in, uh, increase because you have to like stay home for like. A day or two. So afterwards. people schedule vasectomies, mm-hmm. like the day before they they start. So they so they have to stay home for like a day or two. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna do it. It's genius. So I want to talk about X, and this is kind of I I I think why I bring this up is that um, 
this ties into the other stuff that we have been talking about. I, I want to talk for a bit about expectations. And when we put that on ourselves, others, and where this came from is to me, our like golden goose interview afterwards where I go, well, we're done is when we get to interview the lead singer. His name is Aaron Weiss. He is a lead singer of a band called Me Without You, who we've talked about a million times. So this guy is like, he wouldn't say that he's, a, he would not identify as a Christian. And, but he would say that he's trying to be one. And he's trying to seek God, but he wouldn't, but he wouldn't like call himself a Christian. He'd vote for a, a Bernie Sanders if he could. He's just a crazy, out there, artistic, like weird dude. And I think it can be a little bit disappointing at at uh, uh, times when you when you like have this idea of a person who could be a spiritual a guru, and they might not be what you want them to be. And I think I think that's worth talking about, especially within the Catholic Church. We do it to, I think, a lot of different people. Does that tickle all your fancy at all? Oh, it tickles it. <laughs> Tickling it right now. Yeah. So I think it's very dangerous to want people to be a certain way. Very, very dangerous. What do you think? Well, yeah, it's a little open-ended, but yes. Yeah, I, I do. Know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I know I should go with the smaller questions at first, but, you know. <laughs> do you think people should be good? <laughs> uh, yes yes I do Hitler bad guy or worse guy worse guy did I win yes yes well that's it guys give us a review on iTunes <laughs> team Michael team Michael get you some beard oil team beer bomb beard no, but, bomb but like here's what I mean whoa see, I ju- okay I've got to move this um I almost hit the spray bottle you know, so here's a guy who, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, he wrote an album that I think is one of the most, is probably the best for, oh, lack of a better term, spiritual album of the past 20 years, in my opinion, hands down, bar not. I am specifically re, uh, t- talking about Catch for Us, The Foxes, came out in uh, 2004 or yeah. five. Still my and favorite then, album. Still my favorite album of of all time. Well, and I th- and I think after that you could even say brother. Yeah, brother sister. Brother sister is is you know extremely spiritual as well. After that, really not not as not not as blatant. You got way more allegorical, but they still have some really great. But, stuff. Well, I would say I would say. So his background, his parents were Sufi Muslims, or one of them was, and the the Sufi guy that they followed wasn't so much Muslim, but he was kind of less strict in his following of the teachings of the Quran and was more like, kind of like what we would think of like a New Age Christian. This guy is a Sufi, which is a very spiritual, mm-hmm. um, spiritual kind of whatever version of Islam. This guy was even more kind of far, more Hindu, more Eastern spirituality woven in. And so uh, I remember the interview with his parents or with uh, with him when he was talking about his parents. Like that was his background. And then he loves 
Jesus and he loves the gospels and he loves the idea of Christianity. But I think what happens, especially for someone like that, is they go straight into it's like an evangelical world, you know? And if mm. you don't if you have a type of spirituality that doesn't fit into suburban evangelicalism that's that's widely known today, you know, the mega church type thing, and his spirituality does not fit that, then mm. it it was uh, so I think that kind of pushed him away. Well, I mean, he talks about it kind of pushing him away because it just he couldn't click for him and he didn't have that depth, but uh so uh, yeah, I would agree like Catch for Us the Foxes, which is a direct quote from Song of Songs. And then Brother Sister, which is an allusion to Francis of Assisi, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and then the th- next album was um, "It's uh, All Crazy, It's All it, Falls, It's All Falls, Everything's a Dream," yeah. or something like that. Yeah, which, which is, which is, a, I think it's a poem from that guy, that one spiritual uh, yeah. guru guy. Yeah. And then they had the one that's just all about like a circus train crash in the 1860s. Yeah, ten stories. Yeah. <laughs> I love this band. And then and they have a new album, which is phenomenal. It's about a year old. But anyways, like one of – so he basically has this um, – he um, has this one line in a song, and he kind of screams slash just like talks really loud in almost all the songs where where he goes, if you want signs of um, the father, it is movement and a repose. Yeah. If like, you ask me for a sign of the Father, I will tell you it is movement. It movement, is movement. It movement, is movement. At, and and repose. repose. Yeah, it is just like, and like how he says it is so perfect. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much, there's so much truth out there. Turns out it's from like one of like uh, I forget what you call, it, but it's from one of the gospels that was not included in the Bible. <laughs> so it's like not even like one of the gospels. It's just I don't think it's heresy per per se. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I do think it's like a really uh, it's a really like interesting like thought, and I have honestly prayed with that a bit and. I'm like, oh, it's from one of the God. Like, and if there was some Catholic speaker who talked about that, I would be like, you're not allowed in my diocese, and you probably believe, uh, wouldn't be, which isn't a bad thing. But again, it's one of those like, well, why does he get a free pass? You know, which are you saying if a Catholic speaker started quoting like from the infancy gospel of James or something like that, you'd boot him? Oh, well, I'm not saying that I would. I'm yeah. saying that I would be that my orthodoxy flags would go straight yeah. up. And I'd be very uncomfortable with it. Yeah. But because I didn't know and because I love this guy and I think, you know, it's just – and again, it's that like expectation of um, like where do, I, where do we draw that line Yeah, between, um, oh, this is, this is like – this is good and, oh, you should stop. You should stop right now. Yeah, I uh, – you know, it's funny that you say that. There have been plenty of Catholic – of good standing Catholic authors that have drawn from things like the um, the the non uh, inspired a- inspired books of the Bible, you know, the ones that didn't make the cut. You have a master's in all this stuff. You should know it. Yeah, you fit. 
What? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, you mean? Oh, oh, you. Well, I mean, there. Well, so there's there's different type of literature, not just apocryphal. Apocryphal means like it's pious legend, but it's not technically inspired scripture. But then there's other stuff that's just literally, uh, quote unquote, gospels that are Jesus who's been co opted to spread a Gnostic heresy. So one is like <laughs> the Shepherd of Hermas, which is uh, a famous and very well regarded. Um, piece of literature that comes from the early church, but it's not, and in some canons they included it, but it wasn't included in the official church canon. But many fathers repre- um, reference the shepherd. If you go to uh, Catholic Answers and you're looking up, like, what did the early church think about the Eucharist or praying for the dead? And, you know, chances are you'll see something they'll say, like, Shepherd of Hermas or the shepherd, blah, blah, blah. The, so you, I think there's a legitimate way of using apocryphal, pious legend stuff. And and drawing on that, like if you ever hear a story of, I think uh, Hilaire Belloc, Catholic writer alongside G.K. Chesterton, Hilaire Belloc wrote a, a poem about Jesus making, uh, the boy Jesus making clay pigeons from the clay near the water of Galilee, Sea of Galilee, and, and then he made them fly away, he turned them into real birds. I think like, but that's from like the infancy gospel of James, which is like Gnostic bullshit. And so a lot of people, but it's like a quaint story that a lot of people use. They're like, oh, look at the little Messiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a legitimate artistic legitimacy in in using these things. But at the same time, the funniest thing that happened is, as you were just now saying, like, now if someone were to use this in a, like a talk or something, I was literally going to jump in and be like, I've used this in talks, and you're like, I booted from my diocese, and I was like, I need to tie my shoe right now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Not that I'd be in a position to boot a person from our diocese whatsoever. From, from any diocese, your diocese. diocese. Do you even have a diocese? I don't even uh, know. What is a diocese, really? Is it a die, or can I see? Yes. And that song? I'll, I'll go home now. The song was uh, Paper Hanger. From, Paper. Oh, man. Yeah. It's such a good, just, this is the song that opens up with the lyrics, and not one motion, her gesture could I forget, the prettiest bag lady I ever met, pushing her cart in the rain, then gathering plastic and glass, she watched the day pass, not hour by hour, and this is my favorite line, she watched the day pass, not hour by hour, but pain by pain. Not one motion, her gesture could I forget. hear it right now uh, anyways um bringing it back oh yeah expectations expectations you want him to be a devout roman catholic turns out he's kind of a sufi new ager yeah but i and i think he's a person though who is very much in love with jesus and and the, and the weird part is if i'm being honest if there was a if there was a predominant Catholic speaker author who was like that, I would write them off. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's not cool. Just because this guy writes, you know, uh, uh, amazing music that really, honestly, it is amazing. Stop what you're doing and please go and listen. Um, the angel death came to David's room. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's talk. Let's, 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 let's talk about that song. Okay, yeah, people. Let's do it. Okay, so there's a song, Humans, um, called 
Uh, I'm gonna pull it up real quick here. It's as am I. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's from the. It's called the Angel of Death came to David's room, and the. Uh, it's from the album. It's all crazy. It's all false. It's all a dream. It's all right, which came out in 2009. Now, uh, I let me pull up the lyrics. I love. This is one of my all time favorite songs by them, uh, especially off their later albums, because this is so great. This is so great. The song, it's it, all this stuff. The major criticism of this album is it sounds like children's songs, right? Mm-hmm. The angel of death came to David's room. The angel Come of now, death. David, where's your mind? Yeah. Yep. The angel of death came to David's room. The angel of death came to David's room. The angel of death came to David's room. Said, friend, it's time to go. Yeah, and so they say this. So the song goes, the angel of death came to David's room. He said, friend, it's time to go. Then David responds, angel, no, I think you've come too soon. It's not my time to go. And then the angel says, sorry, friend. Now put your hand in mine. I'm sorry, friend. Now put your hand in mine. And then David's like, no, 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 good angel. I didn't get a warning sign before. Don't I get a warning sign before it's my time to go? My good angel, don't I get a warning sign before it's my time to go? Come now, David, where's your grandma gone? Come now, David, where's your grandpa gone? Come now, David, where's your grandma gone? Their time came to That's your warning sign. And then David responds, but I slew Goliath with the sling and stone. It's not my time to go. So he's like, but I'm the hero. Look at my achievements. And then the angel responds, he'll be waiting for you when you get back home. Like I, that line when I, I, I can still remember when I first heard, I was like, Ooh, but I slew Goliath with the sling of stone. What's he going to say? And he's like, he'll be waiting for you. It's time to go. And it's like, it, Oh, that's and it. like the crazy part of that too, is like, we so hail, like we, we like, that's a story that we like colored to when we were like five years old and our preschools, if it, oh, if it yeah. was a Catholic one, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, it's not like it, it like uh, kind of implies that, yes, this was a good thing, but you know, he's going to be there waiting for you. Like you still killed a person, which, which I think, I don't know. Like I, that, that's always kind of haunted me. My favorite idea of the coloring book pages of in Christianity. It's like, Oh, here comes this guy, David, and he's going to fight the mean Goliath. And it's like, yeah, he kills him. <laughs> and then and then he grabs the giant sword and then cuts that guy's head off. <laughs> and it's like, no. this is not a pleasant children's story. Let's draw a flood where thousands of people died. Okay. So then it, uh, then it really goes into this crazy part where he goes, can I, I tell Solomon other things I've, I've learned. And he responds with, I'm sorry, friend, that isn't any of my uh, concern. It, it, it's, it's time. It's time to go. Yeah. So it's like, uh, no, no, no. But what about the future? What about my children? That's, that's not. I'm deaf. That's not my concern. You should have already done it. And then that great ending. Uh, Come now, David. Where's Uriah gone? Stranded on the battlefield. The troops withdrawn. Come now, David. Where's Uriah gone? His time came to go. Come now, David. Where's Uriah gone? Strand 
wounded on the battlefield, the troops withdrawn. Come now, David, where's Uriah gone? His time came to go. Now, the brilliance about that is David had Uriah killed because David slept with Uriah's wife while Uriah was off to war for King David. And he slept with his, his Uriah's wife. She got pregnant. He tried to get Uriah to get him drunk and sleep with his wife. Uriah, being righteous, wouldn't. And then Uriah returned to the battlefield. So David said, withdraw the troops. Let them be stranded out there. Let them die. And they did. And so he's like, okay, okay. You want to do all this stuff? Well, guess what? What about Uriah? What, what about any of that? Ooh. And then it ends. You want to do the ending? So then it's just this whole chorus going over and over again. Come now, uh, come out, uh, come on, David. Where is everybody going over and over again? And it just, it's like haunting. So it's so. Ch- I mean, it's almost like a like hippie chorus drum like circle thing. Yeah, that's absolutely. like everyone's going, everyone's going, uh, everyone's going uh, to die. There is a reckoning, yeah. but then it also kind of implies hope. You know, so it's this weird like way of like yes, you're going uh, uh, to die. Yes, there is going to be justice. Using this to talk about expectations. So one of the big things in our household at Franciscan, households are kind of like Catholic fraternities and sororities, is one of our motto was frater memento more, like brothers, remember your death. And memento more is a very, um, it's, a, it's a famous phrase, you know, been religious orders have used it, all this stuff. But when you think about expectations about life, the... And even this touches with Orlando and, and all these things recently, is that death radically alters our expectations for our lives. I think it is fascinating um, when you encounter these um, these life or death situations. So I had one time I had this very vivid dream. Um, it was I want to say it was a lucid dream at the end, but it was this insanely vivid dream where I was sleeping in a hotel and I was on like the 25th floor. That's reality. And it was a really weird hotel where I was actually, it was like L shaped and I was in like the, the, the L corner part on the inside. And so I could see the buildings go off in different directions, you know, from my window. And it was really weird. And it was, it was just, it was just weird. And uh, I went to sleep that night and I dreamed that there was a fire that completely took out the bottom of the hotel and there was no way I could get down safely. I was going to die. And in this dream, I get, I call my wife, I wet towels and I put them under the doors and I draw the bathtub full of water and I, I know the whole floor is burning and I call my wife and I just tell her, I love you. I love you. I'm going to die. And then in the dream, all the smoke starts pouring in. I'm like, honey, I'm going to die. Tell my daughter I love her. Start recording this right now. 
I love you. I love you. I wish I could be there for your prom. I wish I could, you know, and I started going through all this stuff. And then uh, the flames came into the bathroom and I put my head underwater and I couldn't talk anymore on the phone. And I just began screaming and I woke up in this hotel room, like with just, you know, just like shocked and, you know, like covered in sweat and all this stuff. And I got down on my knees and I just started praying, praying, praying. And it was crazy because how end of life stuff or even just thinking about it for a second radically alters what you value. And you start to look at all the stuff that we literally spend so much time. Now, I know this is uh, far afield, but we spend so much time accumulating things that don't matter. And that once life comes down to just its bare necessities, we, we immediately are like, oh, my God, I wasted all my time doing all that stuff. I wish I spent more time with my family, and it's done. You know, and so for I think part of part of what I don't I mean, I don't know. Part of what I'm trying to do in my life is radically curve that back to my family. So like I'm trying to leave work every single day at 4 p.m. It's not always possible, but I really strive for that because I want to be able to invest in my kids when I still have some energy left at the end of the day. And I'm not just running on fumes after work and giving them the worst of me and all this stuff because I don't want to die looking back and on my death would be like oh my god i should have done this and this and this and this is oh all is lost all is all is hopeless i don't know I'm, i made it macabre I, I made it depressing again no no i i i've um heard that story before but it's a beautiful story and i i think there's a lot of um i think we've like there's a lot of truth there that it's very easy to uh, want to find comfort in, um, I'm going to say, uh, absolution would be the wrong word, but, um, this, uh, this idea of life has to be this way. And this way is I work 18 hours a day. I make X amount of money a year and I'm going to hear all the right uh, Catholic speakers. I'm going to do all, I'm going to do all of the right things that I'm, that I'm told that, you know, I should do. And I think that really does kind of a denies our, just the fact that we are a, a unique creation in God's eyes and what's in a, and what's a priority for you isn't one for me and a vice versa. And it just like I pulled up this one um, you thought too long because I was like I've got another one and then we kind of derailed but it's kind of cool because because it actually does uh, tie into what we are talking about and it's uh, the end line goes and though I've been mistaken on this or that point that because he speaks it that light is I'm a, that, that that light is like never uh, the last God. And it, it just kind of like hit me that um, even though like we've been wrong and the, even though there's going to be people out there who do wrong things, God is still there. And so like you can screw up. Like one of the great things about that, about that, um, that like dream that he had is that um, like, and it kind of like, I'm woke you up and stuff, but like you, 
it's not your 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 story isn't over with yet and i and i think that we need to give um both a society and individuals not the benefit of the doubt but a permission to be wrong and to have hope and to uh begin again because it's it's, it's too easy the easy thing to do is to write everyone off that's by far the easiest the easiest and i i, I think you see it in you know with this whole gun control debate we, we don't have to go into it but just just to say well you're wrong so screw you you know like and that's that's not fair to anyone that's not fair to that's, that's just not that's just that's just isn't right i think and i think it's uh and and, and like this i think this applies to people that are on the right and on the left and whoever solving the world's problems uh, well if tricycles came with guns then we'd all be safe <laughs> right <laughs> listen i don't need anybody oh man i love that that is another band everyone uh project 80 that is such a great album i know Sorry. let's stay let's stay with me without you and solve life problems using <laughs> lyrics from this crazy band and oh uh, my gosh Sorry. how about this Go how ahead. about this the carousels okay the last lyric like i struggle i anywho let me just quote this i think it's amazing and if I didn't have you, meaning God, as my guide, I'd still wander lost in Sinai or down by the tracks watching trains go by to remind me there are places that aren't here. And I had a well, but all the water left. So I'll go ask your forgiveness with every breath. And if there was no way into God, I never would have laid in this body, of this grave of a body for so long. So long, dear. I love I love this stuff. This is where my brother's critique of me from when I was a kid reigns true so much, which is we were listening to rap music because I love rap. And uh, and he said, I said, Chris, how can you listen to this music? It's so awful, right? It's so evil. Like, you know, saying all this horrible stuff. He goes, I don't really listen to the words. I just listen to the beat. And I said to him, I can't listen to just the beat. I have to listen to the word. Number one, you do too listen to the words because you're singing the chorus right now. But <laughs> you do listen. But for me, and he looked at me and he goes, it's not poetry. It's music. You start with the music. And I was like, but I like poetry, <laughs> you know? And for me, poetry was always, I always found poetry to be the greatest of all expressions. If you could rhyme two things and it actually wasn't stupid and made sense, <laughs> I love poetry. I love it. And that's why I love Me Without You, because I feel like you could just print this stuff off and take it into adoration with you. One of the things that I love about this band and why I think it's better than pretty much every praise and worship song ever is because not only is it beautiful and so honest and raw, it's not – it's um, – it's 
true, but it's but it's also heavy. And it doesn't just have this like little well, he, I'm just gonna use this verse here because that's what everyone uh, likes about. It. I'm gonna I, I don't know, like, I, I just think that a lot of praise and worship or quote unquote Christian music is very safe. Very, very safe. And it's very comforting. And I think this is very uncomfortable. I mean, he has a line where he says, when I uh, bent my head down as if to pray, I was actually staring down her, staring down her dress. I'm not saying we should have that in mass or anything, but I do think that that's really important to, to express that stuff in art is really, really, really important. Yeah. That's uh that was the song that did it in for me. Uh, whenever I heard that, I was like, Whoa, these guys are honest. We should make a podcast about them. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, there's so much more that, that I could say. Okay. Okay. We all have our uh, beliefs, but we don't want our beliefs. God of peace, we want you. Yeah. Forward letter. Ugh. Now, I want to talk lastly, probably not lastly at all. My, um, there's a song by uh, on, on that album, or not on that album, on the, uh, which one is it? Yeah, it's all crazy, it's all false. A King Beetle on a Coconut Estate. Oh, that's, yeah. The first time I ever heard this song, I didn't realize that it was, ah, my internet's going crazy. I didn't realize that it was, um, that they had had a new album come out. And I have tried to work this story <laughs> into so many talks. I got about halfway through it in the middle of a talk to junior high students, and then I just threw in the town. I was like, it's a great story. Anywho, moving on. <laughs> but it's the story of a bunch of beetles that li- live on a coconut estate. So it's somewhere in like the Caribbean type thing. There's coconuts everywhere. And the people that the human beings that work there, they rake up all the dry leaves and all the sticks from the, you know, estate, you know, whatever. And they burn them every year, you know, whatever. They clean up the property and they burn all the stuff. Well, the beetles see this. And to a beetle that's so small, this, you know, big bonfire, you know, 20 feet tall or whatever, is like a mountain on fire. As the moon rose and the hour grew late. The day help on the coconut estate Raked up the dried leaves that fell dead from the trees Which they burned in a pile by the lake mm-hmm. And so uh, the whole story is a king beetle the, the king of the beetles Climbs up on a rhododendron stem And he asks everyone to go and he says look the great mystery has been lit once again go figure it out tell me what it is and so uh you know i'll I'll give you you know riches or whatever and so the first person stands up he's like oh that's not a mystery i'm a professor and so the beetle goes and then he comes back and he's he's beaten and burned and the king was pissed 
And uh, it says, but when the beetle professor returned, he crawled on all six as his wings had been burned and described to the finest detail all he'd learned there was neither light nor heat in his words. And a light and heat describes fire, right? So St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine, right? St. Augustine's like light and heat. St. Thomas Aquinas is just like radiant light. He's no heat. He's not a fiery preacher. He's not. He is the guy that says the most with the least amount of words possible. He's not flowery at all. Um, but the whole point, then the king says, nope, we're going to do this again. And then a lieutenant, you know, a brave warrior soldier guy says, I'll go do it. But he returns admitting defeat. So I'm trying to work this into a talk. And I'm like, so imagine it, right? The professor goes. And, oh, <laughs> Junior that's, high kids. That's great. Yeah, well, and I've, I've used this with high school students. I've used this with men at a men's session. It just, I can't really, it doesn't, I've used it. It just doesn't drive the point home. So I quickly move on. But the lieutenant, so it's like the professor thinks he knows everything. The lieutenant thinks he's stronger than anything. And then the, I just love, this is how, this is the words he puts on the Beetle King. The Beetle King is pissed off. He slammed down his fist. Your flowery description is no better than his. We sent for the great light and you bring us this. I didn't ask what it seems like. We asked what it is. And then the chorus starts up. His majesty's hour had last drawn nigh. The elegant queen took her leave from his side and without understanding but without asking why, gathered their kids to come bid their goodbyes. And I've literally said this line to my kids. Right, Luke, this is how bad I am and how obsessed I am. So imagine this. This king is going to go, and he's about to go fly off to his death because he is so enamored with the great fire that he's going to fly into it, right? So he sets his kids down, and he said, Then the father explained, you've been someone to see. We've all called me your dad, but your true dad, not me. I lay next to your mom, and your form is work and see. Your father's the life within all that you see. He fills up the ponds as he empties the clouds. Holds without hands and he speaks without sound. As the father explained, you've been somewhat deceived. You've all called me your dad, but your true dad's not me. I lay next to your mom and your forms were conceived. Your father is the life within all that you see. He fills up the ponds as he empties the clouds. He holds without hands. One of my favorite, I use that all the time when talking about God. He holds without hands and he speaks without sounds. Now remember, this is where it gets weird. They're beetles. So he says, provides us with the cow's waste and the coconuts to eat, giving one that nice salt taste and the other is sweet. Because <laughs> we've all eaten cow poop before. I mean, really, who hasn't? Provides us with the cow's waste and coconuts to eat. Give it one that nice salt taste and the other is sweet. Sends the black carrots the day death shows its face. Spinning our numbers with kindness and grace. Yeah, sends the black carriage the day death shows his face, thinning our numbers with kindness and grace. And and this is why, this is so beautiful. And just as a flower and its fragrance are one, so must each of you and your father become. And just as a flower and its fragrance are one, so must each of you and your father become. Like, that is so awesome. When you hear just this lyrics of a silly, like, oh, these are like... Again, here is this is from the album that's really sing-songy and almost sounds like children's music. Like, hey, this is I we're about to do VBS at our church next week. And I would love it. <laughs> hey, kids, I'm going to tell you the story of the King Beetle on the Coconut Estate. And um, 
And the video is great because it's like all the it's like all these puppets, right? But it doesn't have anything to do. No, the puppets with are the story. No, right? the puppet the puppets are the fox, the crow, and the cookie. Oh, that's <laughs> and they have everything to do with the story. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. Never and mind. now, now I'm going to branch this conversation off to something else using this lyric. But he says, "Now distribute my scepter, my crown, and my throne, and all that we've known as wealth to the poor and alone." Now distribute my scepter, my crown, and my throne, and all we've known as wealth to the poor and alone. Without further hesitation, without looking back home, the king flew headlong to the blazing unknown. Without further hesitation, without looking back home, the king flew headlong into the blazing unknown. And as the smoke king hurled higher and higher, the troops flying loops around the telephone wires, they said, and this is the ending chorus, our beloved's not dead, but his highness instead has been utterly changed into fire. And then it ends with them saying, why not be utterly changed into fire? They said our beloved's not dead, but his highness instead. And that's a quote from the desert fathers of the early church. This one uh, young monk sits down, or like a middle-aged monk sits down with an elderly guy who's renowned as a saint, and he's, and I can't remember who they were. And it says, he's relating the story, and he says, you know, I've achieved virtue, I've mastered my vices, I've done all this stuff when I fled the world and gone out into the desert. And he said, what still do I lack? And the story goes that the man's hands caught on fire. Or they look like they were burning on fire. And he thrusted them into the face of the younger guy. And he says, why not be utterly changed into fire? And the whole notion is like, okay, so you've done the moral thing, but you let yourself be consumed with the love of God. Like, that's what you're not doing. You're not like letting God in. You're still doing all this stuff, right? Why not be utterly? And he took that awesome story and turned it into a bunch of King, a bunch of Beatles. I have talked way too long. I know. I, I'm just like, I... I love this band so much. Like it's, I want him on our show so badly. And it, the thing that, I don't know, there, there, there are, are so many things that uh, this band doesn't provide me comfort. They, they provide me with, I'm just so in, like, I want to be holy every time that I read this stuff. I just want to change my life completely. And it's weird because I started getting obsessed with them because, because again, for the most part, this is weird speaking and screaming over, especially their like first album and the last one actually. And I got hooked on it because he basically, there was this one song he has called, <laughs> called, uh, uh, the called, of the gentleman and I just like and he's like so like angry at this girl I think he thinks that she's cheating on him or or, or, or and it just like uh-huh. stops and he and he just goes and you'd better be alone <laughs> and like goes into the soul and I was like he's just angry yeah. and he's being really bluntly like this is like what it feels like when you think you're being cheated on no it's a lot 
you'd better be alone. Yeah. Yeah, that song is an anthem of your college debut career. So one of the really cool things about this band is they kind of do have their own a unique sound, and I really didn't I, – I was not able to appreciate that until I saw them live last spring. It was beautiful. I almost wept. It was absolutely beautiful, and you can really see, like, they have such such – a unique sound, but one of the first times that anyone was ever exposed to this band was back in 2002 through a hardcore band called A Norma Jean, and and the song was called "A Memphis Will Be Late to Waste." It's a whole bunch of just screaming. And the point of the song is about. Uh, they basically have like have a part where they just scream over and over again. Christ, Christ is not fashion, and it's this idea of like like Christ is or is he's an actual like, person, and it's not just a thing that you kind of do. Like you 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 got to be like all in, and um, and how when we just like use Christ as fashion, we just try to be a good person, or we don't acknowledge it. Like hey, this is a like this is God we are talking about here, not just some like feel good about myself that it actually hurts us. And we're doing a waltz with with our murderer, which is one of the parts that that they screamed. Like we're actually hurting ourselves and others by um, by doing that, by not trying to overcome our own sins and all this stuff. And then it ends with this guy, the guy, the, the, the guy with new dodge. He just keeps, and he just like again screams slash like speaks over the salt, and it is absolutely incredible. I think. What he's trying, uh, what he's trying uh, to talk about, it's like if we just do this stuff, and there's no point, and even like we're just gonna end up hurting, and and this and like a discipleship is a way of life, trying trying to follow it. Um, it means a complete change of life that your that every part of your life has to be trained, has to be um, has has to be like radically changed. It's not just yeah. a thing that we do though. Uh, like uh, for fun again going back to the part of the song where they just say christ is not fashion i would love someone to maybe not do just like an acoustic cover maybe yes maybe no but to like reimagine these songs in a way like maybe the original band do it but in a way that's not like scream core or screamo but i get it but you but then i think you kind of lose because the oh i totally of, agree i totally like intense agree. i mean they just have they like have a part where they're just screaming mediocrity is of the killer yeah because i mean about <laughs> no you go you go no it's just all it's all about just like it's about being intense and it's, and it's, it's supposed to sound violent it's supposed to sound because it's this is like a this is extremely pat like passionate heavy stuff that they are addressing here don't you like how i'm trying to disnify it's like literally going saying about punk music like you know the six pistols are great but it'd be better if they sounded like sarah mclaughlin more people (laughs) would buy it if there was more 
not that. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I, I don't wish that there was more a Christian art or like this because I know how inaccessible this band is. Like, if you're not into weird rock music, you're not going to like this. I just, I, I just wish that we had stuff that was this profound. Yeah. So the the opening first thing, it really is awesome. He said, "Waltz around the room with a glaze in your stare, in your tuxedo suit. I'll give it a name. Lower defenses. I'll lower the casket. Open the door. Open the grave. Murder." Now you're doing the waltz with your murderer. Waltz around the room with a glaze in your stare, in your tuxedo suit. I'll give it a name. Lower the defenses. I'll lower the casket. Open the door. Open the grave. Mediocrity is the killer. You find yourself helpless. Christ is not a fashion fleeting away fashion. It's that whole point of like we are waltzing around the room in our fanciness, but the the one that is murdering us is mediocrity, and we still... We still that that's to see again. This is this is why death and and expectation and perspective are so important, right? So the guy is literally using the theme of murder, killer, death to get you to realize that mediocrity is is not literally killing your body, but it's doing what's even worse, which is robbing your soul of what matters. And I think the hardest though that's a beautiful thing that art can do. Art can help us put things in perspective that being that the hearing a sermon, I mean, I mean, sermons can be artful. Just listen to one of my talks, but uh, <laughs> they can. But there's a totally different way that when you're, you know, like reading a poem or you're um, hearing a song and you're singing it and you're with the music and the music is just perfect. And the way that they're singing it is getting across, like in this case with Norma Jean, the screaming like. Like, they are so done with the waltzing with mediocrity, right? They're not, you know, it's, it's funny because if someone listens to it that doesn't like that type of music, they'll, and, and I'm, I don't, I don't like that type of music, they'll listen to it and be like, well, you're talking about mediocrity, I think this song is mediocre, right? But that's not the point. The point is, like, the mediocrity of your life, you know, and how easy it is that we, that we, get, that we get lost in it. And I think this is... You know, I he- I hesitate saying some of this stuff, but my I am because of things like people like Shane Claiborne in the interview that we had, and because of things like um, starting my own LLC and making money on the side, traveling, giving talks, doing like writing and stuff. I've realized like how much getting money is a priority for my life and it needs to be because I have a family and I had a, my son Noah broke his collarbone a couple days ago. Uh, my, my son Thomas has a helmet on his head because he's like his dad. He's got a ginormous head, but it's growing in wrong. So we have to put a, you know, spend fifteen hundred dollars to put a helmet on this kid's head mm. um, and it's all of this stuff that drives, you know, it's just so expensive, all this stuff. Healthcare costs, all this, and it's just pounding and just robbing. And so me and Shannon, my wife, we've looked at these things and we've said, okay, how can we live simply? Like, does that really matter? Does looking at, uh, you know, and I've already, we've pared a lot of stuff down, but we still have excess. And I, I understand, like, you can have all the clothes you want. I'm not telling you how to live your life. Yes, I am. But what I really want to do <laughs> is look at, like, after a while, we we accumulate without paying attention. 
And mm-hmm. when we don't pay attention to the things that we accumulate, we realize that we are working and so much of our paycheck is going to the accumulation of things that if they were gone tomorrow, we really actually wouldn't miss them. And I was thinking about this today while I was cleaning my office, right? You ever do this where you got like stacks of papers and you don't want to touch them? Like I'm not a filer very well. I tried to deal with paper. I'm a paperless guy. But you have these papers. Where, where do you put them? And so for a while, I would just stack them, and I'm like, no, these are important. I need to get to them eventually. So then today, I got to them. I forced myself to go through every drawer, every nook, every cranny, every shelf space I had in my office. And I'm pulling out – so I found a checkbook that we lost. Uh, I'm finding, like, all this stuff, and I'm a like – checkbook? Yeah, I know, right? Isn't that weird? <laughs> if, I, if I didn't have a wife, I would not have a checkbook. Uh, okay. G- uh, go and go enjoy your AOL, all right? Have fun with that. Yeah, with my VHS. Um, but I I looked at these things, right, and I was like, ooh, should I keep this? And I was like, I literally haven't looked at this in six months. Why would I magically need to look at it tomorrow? So, you know, I just start chucking all this stuff and throwing out all this stuff, and I'm like, this is what we do. We accumulate ex- expectational debt, right? We have all of this stuff, this these things that are just hanging around our daily lives saying, look at me, remember me, did you think about me today? And it's just papers and pictures and just th- oh i gotta do that i gotta get to that i gotta call these people i gotta do that and i was i was uh, just going to add that I, too i think it's very easy to as as a as a group just go okay so here are the expectations if you are a youth minister you should probably have a macbook pro uh and you should have an apple tv you should have also you know and like we true, all kind of agree true. that these are all things that oh, we should have. i mean i've got them i am staring at both of them right now, we have th- one, two, we have three a MacBook Pros in this house, two iPhones. We have an Apple, uh, we have an Apple a TV, and an iPad that we never touch. You're you're a one percenter, and you make me <laughs> sick. You make me sick. Well, and it just is again the idea of like we all like this is like what I think that I that like I that you know I should have, and it, what's the purpose? Yeah. And really ask me, like, what is the purpose of this? And this is a thing that, like, one of the reasons why when I was in my uh, late teens and early 20s, I um, I really liked, like, very intense, very intense. Well, I mean, I liked hardcore music, screamo, emo stuff because it really spoke to me where I was. And I found a lot of purpose in it. And I, and I think a lot of our friends kind of thought I was like, oh, Luke, and you're, you know, like, you know, stupid music. But um, to me at that time, it really spoke to me in a very profound way. And I think that it is – and, like, I guess what, what I'm trying to say here is that if I had – paid attention to what everyone else was doing at that point in time, we wouldn't be having uh, this episode here. And I'm not saying that it's all great and that like everyone as you listen to it, it is it is not for everyone at all. But just because it's not for you doesn't mean that it's bad. And um not everything has to be about like what you want. Which I think leads to what you know like you are I'm talking about it as well as like I want this, I want that, I want, I want, I want. What if our only filter, instead of being about what I want, 
was more about what's the purpose of this? Like, what do I want in my life right now? I don't know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm way off track. Stroke. <laughs> oh, man, you can always just use that, can't you? Yep. Oh, beautiful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this was the Me Without You episode. What I want you to do is I want you to go to catholicbalm.co to purchase some awesome, delicious, delightful, wonderful Catholic beard balm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, get some beard balm. Get some. Have some lip balm as well. Really good stuff. They got some delicious lip balm. And they have a stick lotion bar. That's what it's called. It's called a lotion bar. I'm excited to try that. I know. Me too. Me too. Well, I'm excited for my wife to try it. And then I'll be like, oh, honey, your skin is so soft. And she's like, and it applies so smoothly. Aaron's and to be like, this is oh, for me, right? And I'll be like, yes, for yeah, you. For you, of course, honey, for you. Number one, we want to thank them for sponsoring our show. But we also want to remind everyone to go to buy some cool stuff and then to put Team Michael when you nope. check out. If you put, if you put okay. Team Michael, you here's... know that I'm your favorite. So put, in, put Team Luke when you check out. Thank you to everyone that is on Team Luke. Let's not forget that Luke began the show apologizing. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I am here. I never apologize. You all probably agreed with me. <laughs> and you're like, Luke's got a really good point. I mean, sure, he's a dick. But, you know, he's not. And I quote... An ass. <laughs> now, I'm your favorite ass. And you know what asses do? We get the job done. Okay? <laughs> no, this is awful. We really want to thank Catholic Balm Company for sponsoring this. Catholic Balm, B-A-L-M dot C-O. Not C-O-M, C-O. CatholicBalm.co, Team Luke, when you check out. And the people that run it are legit awesome amazing people and uh this business that they've started is just such a runaway hit because the product is awesome thank you all for listening please remember to review us on itunes it'll change your life it could change someone else's life if itunes features it in the new and noteworthy section boom this is all that i'm going to say about that um matt frad's new podcast has like a hundred reviews we have like 58 last time I checked. What, the Pints, Pints for Aquinas? Which one? Which I'm sure friends? is, the, yes. Mm-hmm. Like all of them. Like, because, you know, you just, you don't review the episodes. You, you review the show. Right. So he's got, he has 100, he has 100 reviews. Not that, not that I'm jealous. I love you, Matt. But I think we can do better, everyone. I think we can do better. Listen, I'm telling you. Matt Frad, that podcast, I love it. Pints with Aquinas, I read, it's it. so good. It's it's good. I'm I'm just like so worried that I'm gonna fall in love with him even more. You will, you will. Uh, it's the voice, man. The voice. It's, it's the voice. He has one episode called "Our Wet Dreams Slash Sexual Dreams Sinful," or as a guy we know back at Franciscan used to call them freebies. Thank you for listening. Go team, Michael. Why is it not a- Yeah!